26, where you say, or it said, for as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this blood, or this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Lord, we do proclaim your death. Lord, we want to be that witness for you in every place that you put us, every workplace, every ministry that you have us in, Lord. I pray that we would be able to remind people of what's been done for them, that you have such a love for them, Lord, and you rescued them. And we praise you for what you've done, Lord, and thank you so much in our own lives what you've done. Lord, just as we praise you and continue to worship you this morning and go through your word, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us. Holy Spirit, you would just pierce our hearts, Lord, and we would uh, just fall so much in love with you, even deeper love, Lord. We just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys greet each other. Well, good morning, guys. Hey, those of you guys that showed up to decorate, thank you so much. You did a great job. For some of you men that have decorated yourselves this morning, good job. Looking, looking sharp. No, it's a good day, guys. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on what's going on with Sean. Talked to them a little bit yesterday. I'm sure some of you guys even know more than I do. But what I've heard from him is that both him and his aunt are healing up very well. It's a slow process, of course. So you guys continue to pray for him. Uh, there's no infections, nothing going on like that. And uh, yeah, it's going really good. So we're hoping uh, that he'll come back this week sometime um, and that everything keeps going right. And uh, praise God that everything went well and that the aunt received. And, and so far, it's, it's going very well for her. So uh, God's a good God and uh, has put a very good example for us and our pastor. And so he'll be out for a little bit more. We have a couple more. Uh, you guys can be sure to show up next week, Dave. And uh, Dave Love is from uh, Castle Rock, awesome pastor, look forward to his teaching next week, and so he'll be here, and uh, yeah, we'll continue on, we might see Sean, we might not, I hope not, because he's not supposed to be here, right? <laughs> but you know how Sean is, so he loves you guys, and, and uh, you know, we'll see what ends up happening, but continue to pray for him, and uh, yeah, that he doesn't miss out on too much in what goes on here. There's no announcements this morning, just to let you guys know that everything is back this week. Uh, we took the last week off because of Thanksgiving, which I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, so youth group's back on, uh, the, the men's and women's studies are back on, so church is open again, all right? And so you guys can come and join us for any of those uh, different ministries that we have going. So, this morning, we're going to go over ministry it's been heavy on my heart. It's been something that I've been talking to a lot of people. There's been a lot of conversations that have come up, and uh, just even getting to spend this little bit of time, I was in Mexico, because uh, I went down to El Paso to see my parents, and of course, we always cross over so I can say hi to the guys, see what's going on, and I'll get into that a little bit more, because there were some pretty crazy things that happened uh, while I was down there, and uh, um, in particular with Ricardo, and some of you may have read my parents' um, little note on Facebook about it, but awesome things happen. God is good. Ministry. The first question I have for you guys is how many of you guys have been called to ministry? How many of you guys have been called to ministry? All right. 
So, just, just a heads up, we've all been called to ministry, all right? So that's the sermon, all right? See you guys. <laughs> Joking with Brandon. All right. So, the thing is, we've all been called to it. Now, we're going to get into this a little bit more because it is a thought, and there was even one guy that uh, is talking, uh, hearing his uh, testimony, and how he was at a car dealership, had a great thing going, um, uh, very successful, had been in the family for quite a while, but then it started dying off, and he was kind of getting burnt out on it. It was, I think, the third generation of having this, this car lot. And so he started praying about going into full-time ministry and giving up all that, which would be a huge sacrifice to take their name off. It'd be, you know, this, this heritage has been going on forever, so it'd be a big deal for him to change it up. And he went to... Um, I can't remember if it was a men's retreat or if it was just a Sunday morning, but they were talking about what ministry was and, and who was called to it. And basically what he got out of that and he finished up and, and, and what he clarified in his life is that he was doing ministry, that his car dealership was a ministry, that just because he wasn't full-time staff or paid staff at a church didn't mean he was involved in ministry. And so that's why I would, I would look at it and see with our lives and what we go through and what we've been called to, that every one of us is in ministry. Absolutely. And we'll differentiate the two because I know there is a difference between the two. But when we go into the scriptures, it's very clear to us that we are a part of it. And Matthew 22 is a great scripture. Matthew 22, 39 through 40, it's where the scribes and the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important commandment there is? And Jesus responded and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then this one, 39, very important. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So loving your neighbor as yourself, well, I'm pretty sure that every one of us ministers to ourselves each day, don't we? If not, you got problems. You're going to show up pretty, uh, yeah, dirty and you know, looking pretty bad, stinky. Like we minister, we take care of ourselves, our, even our attitudes. We watch it, we check, hopefully we do. But we're ministering to ourselves daily in what we go through. And so it's calling us out, well, you gotta do the same thing with your neighbor. Then the other scripture, of course, is the Great Commission. I mean, that's the one where, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, one of these, this is like one of those scriptures that some people were like, well, yeah, that's for the ministers, that's for the evangelists, that's for the apostles when they were given that. I have to say, though, if, if people had that mentality, Christianity would have been pretty short-lived. If those disciples that they were going out and make, making thought that that was only applied to the apostles, why should I go out? That verse was only for them. Christianity would have stopped dead in its tracks, right? This scripture's for us as well. It's not saying you guys are all teachers, but it says, hey, you guys have been given stuff. Every Sunday, there's rich things that come out of the Word of God, things that touch your heart. And I hope you're going out and teaching other people that, other kids that, your family that, the people you're around. That's why we come here. It's not a selfish activity where we come and like, sweet, slap hands, that was awesome. You know, and feel good about ourselves and leave. There's awesome things God's encouraging, or encouraging us in as we come on Sunday morning but there's more to it. We take that out. We go and we be that light because of what we've heard, because of what we gathered. It brings encouragement to our own lives so we can encourage others. It brings compassion to our own lives so we can have compassion on other people, right? That's why we come. That's why we're part of it. So 
I would say that a lot of people think that they haven't been called to ministry is because there's a, there's a misrepresentation of the importance of our spiritual gifts. A misrepresentation of the importance of our spiritual gifts. There are gifts that are held, you know, they have more weight to them and more responsibility, absolutely. But they get, these gifts are not the only gifts that classify if you're in ministry. If you have this gift, it's not saying if you only have this gift, that's, you mean you're in ministry. Talking like a prophet or, or a minister or a teacher or pastor. You know, those are the ones usually we look at and like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, of course they're in ministry. Well, yeah, but what about the other gifts? What about the other things? So I think a lot, if you guys turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, this is where a lot of people will gather. Well, here's the gifts that God's after, and here's the ones that are ministries or have ministries, and so if I don't have one of these gifts, how could I be in ministry? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And then we stop there and say, okay, that's ministry. If I don't have that gift, I'm not in ministry. But look at what it says in 12 and 13. For the equipping, this is the reason why he's made these guys, is to equip the saints for the work of what? Work of ministry. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of a fullness of Christ. So the whole purpose in having those gifts that it was spoken of in verse 11 is to equip the saints so that they can do ministry. So that's one of my jobs. I'm one of those ones that's in the first one, the teacher. And a pastor is, I'm here to equip so that we can do ministry together. It's not because I'm the more important one. This is the role God's given me and we have to have you guys come along, and we all have to work together because we're those members. You guys know it's spoken over and over again about the different members in the body and how they have to work together. It is not about a pastor up preaching. If you get so entailed in that, then it almost becomes like 1 Corinthians where the speaking in tongues was the most important gift, right? You were the most holy one if you spoke in tongues. And Paul has to come in there and settle them down and say, whoa, it's a good thing. I wish that everybody could speak in tongues. However... Prophecy is even more important than that, and there's a better way, actually. And he goes into chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, and he speaks about love, right? Saying that if you don't have love, it doesn't matter with any of the gifts that you've been given. That's the most important thing in the church of God, right, is love. He gives us these gifts. Now, some of the other gifts. So, okay, if these gifts, and if we've only heard about these gifts, the evangelist, the apostle, the, you know, the prophet, and the teacher, and the pastor, all of those, then what other gifts are they? What other ones can we look at? What, what other gifts has God given us to be able to work in the ministry? So turn over to Romans chapter 12 to look and see some of these other gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. So this, I want to make sure that you guys understand, that's not just saying that there's only one person that has the gift of ministry, so therefore I'm out of ministry. That word that's being used there is service, okay? Those that are good at serving, serve, all right? He who teaches and teaching, he who exhorts and exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
I mean, there's two in there that are interesting. Those are gifts, like a person that loves to give. That's a gift, guys. That's a gift God's given you. Having mercy. That's a great gift. And that's one you you bring into the body of Christ because usually you'll have somebody that's so down on everybody else and you're like, give them mercy. You know, and, and it's so good to have. I love the person that has the gift of mercy because they're always reminding what Christ has done and putting it back in perspective. That, yeah, they do deserve what you'd love to say to them or that, you know, they do deserve that. But let's give them mercy just like Christ has given us mercy. That's some of the gifts that you see there. And then another place you can look and see other gifts is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. These are some other gifts that they're... And this is that, that scripture I was talking about where it goes through the diversity of the gifts and everything. We'll read a little bit of that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And that's why we've been given gifts, so we can profit everybody in the, in, the, in the church. And then he goes through and he talks about some of those other gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, and to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And then down a little bit further in 28 picks up with some more. It says, And God appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts, the healings, helps, administrations, that's a gift, varieties of tongues. And then he goes through and he talks about, is everybody going to have these? No, certain ones have it. And it's great that he doesn't give somebody all these gifts, right? Then you wouldn't need a body. Then it would be somebody that's more of like one that's in control. It would almost be as if they're taking the position of Christ, the head of the church, because he is the one that has all that. He represented that to all of us. So when we go through and we look at that, I'm sure you guys keyed in on some of the things, and hopefully the Spirit's speaking to you and saying, yes, that's your gift right there. And maybe you didn't know that was a gift before. So now the encouragement comes, what are you going to do with that gift? Are you doing anything with that gift? Is that gift only being applied in your business or as an employee or at your home or as a student? Is that the only place that you're applying your gifts? Has it become a selfish action and that you're only holding that to yourself? You guys might remember that awesome parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Because when the Spirit gives us gifts, there's huge responsibility that comes along with it, right? The talents is, remember, the, the guy gets, gives uh, the first worker five talents, gives the other guy two, and the last one one. And the two first guys, they go out and double what they've been given. And the guy comes back with ten when the owner comes back, and he says, hey, what did you guys do? Well, here, I made you even five more. The other one says, I made you two more. I doubled what you gave me. And then the last one's kind of like back there like, oh, great. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I wanted to be safe about this, so I went and buried it. I wanted to make sure I could give you back what you gave me, so I went and buried it in a hole. And he said, you wicked servant, right? Because all it was was about preservation. It was about, I don't want to mess up, so I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to just hide this away. And so these gifts that he's given us, they're, they're, they're to produce fruit, aren't they? 
They're to produce fruit. It's not a selfish action. It's not something he's given you so that you can succeed better in this life. The thing is that he saved you, right, so that you can walk with him so that when you get to heaven, you get to know who, which Savior you're so in love with because of all the things you've been through on this earth. All the gifts he's given you to get to see his provision and his work in your life, you get to get to heaven and you will want to praise him. You long to see your saviors draw closer. Those gifts are part of that action to get there. We hide them away. We go and bury them. It's wicked. And so each one of us, as we go through, and we're going to get into a key part of Scripture here in just a second, but we see that every one of us has been called to ministry, right? You, you look at those two Scriptures. You look at the gifts that we've been given. We've all been called to ministry We've all been called to minister, and we need to take serious what we've been given. Our God is an awesome God because he doesn't just give us orders without resources. That's what I love about God. He calls us to that. He says, hey, every one of you guys is in ministry, should be in ministry wherever you're at. This is what I've given you. I've given you the gifts so that you can do that. I've given you these gifts so that you can make the church an awesome place. I've given you these gifts so that you guys can be built up, so you can go up and be that light to the world. I've given you all this, this responsibility, this huge responsibility, and God is so awesome because he doesn't just drop this huge load on our back and say, here you go, you're in ministry now, (laughs) wherever you're at, go have fun. But he gives us the resources to do that, doesn't he? That's why we need to know the Word of God. The Word of God shows us what we have in Jesus Christ. It educates us into what resources we've been given because God is not a God that gives orders without resources. He doesn't leave us with a huge burden to please Him and bring Him glory without the means to complete His directions. That's not our God. That's many other gods that other people have made up because that's kind of how we work. We love to put burdens on other people without any resources. It's easy for us. It's easy not to walk with somebody through a problem or trying to be a better person or trying to grow closer to Jesus Christ. We can just throw some verses at them. Or we can just throw them experience from our past. Here's what I did. But rather being able to walk with them, give them resources so that they can walk through that. I mean, I think the U-turn program would be a big failure if all it did is just cast a bunch of cargo on you guys, right? And saying, here's all the do's. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And you'll be better. No, it's an education. It's a process. It's a discipleship. It's a, it's a discipline that has to take place, right? It's a walking with people to get through. It's the resources given. And that's what God does with us. When he calls us to ministry, he doesn't leave us high and dry. And so we're going to look at this. And this is what the bulk of the message is about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul's encouraging the church in Corinth, and there's some awesome truths that come out of this little section of Scripture on what Christ has given us, what God has given us to fulfill what he's called us to. I want to go ahead and pray before we get into this. So, Lord, as we search out your Scriptures and what you've told Paul and how you had Paul relate it to the Corinthian church, Lord, I ask that you would do the same with us. Lord, that you would teach us this morning as we learn, not, not just that we're in ministry, but Lord, what that means. Uh, give us the passion, the excitement about it. Lord, I pray that everyone would leave today, myself included, 
being so excited to be working for you and doing what you've called us to and understanding what resources you've given us to accomplish that, the strength you've given us. We do praise you, Lord. We thank you that we even get to be a part of what you're doing. You just didn't save us and, and, and we're done. But we have a work here, Lord. We have a job. We get to minister even to you, Lord, and make you proud of us as your children. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord. I pray you just speak to us so clearly this morning through your word. Just pierce our hearts, Lord, and, and uh, that we'd be encouraged in, in you, Lord. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. I'm going to go ahead and read all that. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, and though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, this is a part of Scripture we could just talk about, and you guys might even have a title there. That it's Be Reconciled to God is what my title says. And so it, it very much has the pointed uh, view of talking about being re- reconciled. But under this, too, is Paul speaking about what ministry is, what he's been given. This is Paul's ministry to the church. And in here, we see four different ways, four different things that he's given us to be able to minister, those resources that I'm talking about what he's given us so that we can minister. And the first one, I think, is one of the biggest ones that is the biggest motivator in helping us to minister. And that's in verse 14. For the love of Christ compels. We've been given the love of Christ. And when you understand that, as you grow in your maturity and get closer to the Lord, you start understanding that love, all it can do is compel you to want to minister for him. Right? This is not something that we go and we work really hard because we're trying to earn something from him. Rather, we look at what has been done in my place. What have I escaped because of somebody else laying down their life for me? And that was the very first one. We had our conversion. We, we understood. We believed in Jesus Christ. And we were like, yes, I want you, Jesus. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. And that was an awesome day. And it wasn't just there where we experienced the love of Christ. I hope that you guys are experiencing it every day as you walk through this world. There's times where we're going to mess up, and we, we're, we mess up big sometimes. And we have this Savior that does not sit there and impute our sins on us and say, shame on you, I cannot call you my child anymore. I don't know you, get out of my house. Instead, he's got open arms. He's saying, I've been waiting so long for you to come back. I'm so happy you came back today. You don't know how long I've been longing for this. You get to experience again my payment for you. 
that grace that I cannot wait to pour out on you. And we come back to these open arms where Jesus Christ just loves us so much when everything we've done does not merit that at all. And then you experience that and you're like, I can't believe you'd do this for me, Jesus. And the days we even fall on our face just to go back and remember, we read through the scriptures, we see what he's done for Israel and he does for us daily and we experience his love. We fall down on our face just to worship him. Maybe we haven't done something that's horribly wrong and we chase back to him or we run back to him, but we just sit there and we meditate on what his love is about. And we come to a place of just, I cannot do anything but just glorify you, Lord. I just want to praise you. I want to take this time and just worship you because of your love for me. And what it ends up doing, you focus on that love that's been given to you and it compels you. It compels you, Jesus, I want to go love somebody else. There's some crazy people out there that have been compelled to love. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story of Wes Bentley. Wes Bentley is over far-reaching ministries. I just watched a crazy video yesterday, super humbling, um, exciting, made me want, want to get out and do ministry in a whole different way. This is a guy that's gone to Sudan, and he's been involved in the war out there for over 20 years. Okay? He's an American. He was special forces. I mean, the guy is crazy. He's a soldier, right? I encourage you guys just to go listen to what he has to say. He spoke at, last year at, at Al Pittman's at Calvary Chapel Worship Center. So if you guys go on to YouTube, you can just look up Wes Bentley. And uh, it, it, one of the first ones should pop up where he's at uh, Al's church. And, you know, it's, it's an hour long, but guys, go watch it. It is amazing in the stories. And now it is graphic because he does give some of those details on what happened where he was at and what continues to happen. But one of those guys that understands the love of God, and he says, you know what, probably, I, I, he says, I believe that God has told me that I'm not going to die a natural death, that I think one of these battles that we're going to be out on, I'm going to die. His chaplains that he raises up, I, I can't remember, there's been, I think, 16 just in, since January, or maybe even more now. Um, no, that was in 2018, so within a couple months, he's, I, I don't remember the average of it, maybe like 40 a year is what, how many chaplains that they lose each year and their wives, and I mean, you guys, just go watch it. It is horrendous what people will do to other human beings, but then seeing what he's doing out there and what these chaplains are doing and what they've given themselves to, you can see that they understand the love of Christ because all they can do is they're compelled to fight for Jesus Christ, literally fight. An awesome example. So that love, we get to see that compels us. That's one of those things that we want to be in ministry is because of what we've been given. It's an exciting thing Jesus, I want to go love others because you first loved me. I did not deserve it, just like they don't deserve it. But I want to be an example. I want to do whatever you ask me to do. I love you so much. That's the first one. He compels us. It's his love that he's given us. The second one is God's given us perspective. And this one's a very important one. Not only do we love people, but we also, this perspective we need to have on people. Verses 16 and 17, it says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we know in Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So what he's saying is we're not looking on the outside anymore. Okay? I mean, how many of you guys have met somebody that's a little bit different and maybe even physically different, and they want to help out so bad, and you're like, okay, here you go. Um, you give them some little petty thing. I remember when I was at Bible college, there was this guy who was a little bit mentally handicapped, 
and he always wanted to be involved in ministry. And they would give us chores that we needed to do or different ministries that we would go out and evangelize, or, and everybody did not want this guy with them. I mean, he was a jabberbox, right? But man, he loved the Lord, and he just wanted to be out there to do things for the Lord. And so everybody kind of pushed him back, and even me. I was there in, in my immaturity, just pushing him back, thinking, you know, it's going to be a big distraction. It's going to be more work to have him come along with us. The focus is going to be on making sure he's okay. And uh, the Lord really came to me and just like, who, <laughs> who do you think you are? I made him. I made him perfectly how I wanted him. The joy that he has, I want other people to experience that. So I ended up taking him out on a, a thing that we went and did, and it was the best decision I ever made. I could not believe how he could get into people's lives. The excitement and the love that he was able to bring to other people. There's no way anybody else on our team could do that. And so it was a neat experience and a very humbling one to watch out what I'm doing and not to look at what they're saying. I don't look at the flesh anymore. I don't look at who they are. And, he, and they make sure that they go back and they say, you know what, we, look, we, we saw Jesus in the flesh. They want to make sure that they're not setting up a crazy doctrine here. That's why they go back and say, even though we saw Jesus in the flesh, we're not trying to say he was just in spirit, but we don't see him that way anymore. And then it goes on in verse 17. And this is their perspective of people that have come to Jesus Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want to minister because everybody in this room is a new creation that believes in Jesus Christ. Now I have the opportunity to go ahead and focus and have my own perspective on each and every one of them here, every person here, and say, you know what, you hurt me in this way, I've heard that you've done this, you have this fault about you, everybody knows that you're this type of a person, and I could focus on all those negative qualities, right? Am I going to be a very good minister? Is the ministry that God's put me in, is it going to have any care to it? Well, yeah, maybe I'll feel sorry and be like, wow, you guys aren't as good as me. <laughs> That's what that produces, arrogance pride. You think you're better. And so what it ends up doing is it shows that our perspective on people that come to Jesus Christ, they're a new creation just like we are. We don't focus on what their flesh has been involved in. We don't look at the flesh. We look at the spiritual side. That promotes us into wanting to do ministry with others because I'm focused on your new creation. I can't wait to see how God's going to use you. Don't worry about that. I guarantee you people are beating themselves up enough about their past and their bad qualities. I mean, if you guys are like me, there's times where you just hate yourself, right? And what you've done and the things you think and let you, you go through your mind. And you get to this place where you just can't stand yourself. And even for yourself to remember, no, I'm that new creation in Jesus Christ. And I'm excited that those around me and ministering with me, they're the exact same place I am. We're all a new creation. That's the second thing that he gives us, that perspective, that God perspective of understanding where each one of us lies and how he sees us. It's a good place to be. Brings peace and harmony, doesn't it? All right, the third one. The third one is that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. In verses 18 through 19, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Our third one, why we're so excited about being in ministry, is because we get to deliver this awesome message, the gospel message. We get to give the best news anybody's ever heard in their whole life. I mean, most people would think the best news I can ever hear, and it depends on each person, is, yes, I finally get to own a house that I never thought I was going to own. 
I get a brand new car. That's awesome. It smells so nice. It has air conditioning seats in it, right? All these things that we're so excited about. And yeah, you know what? That's fine. Be excited about those fun things in life. They are exciting. But there's no news that can trump God's news of reconciliation. Reconciliation is bringing back what has been lost. It's, it's having that friendship that we had with God when we walked through the garden that was absolutely destroyed from self-will, from pride, from the person wanting to be on the throne, taking him out of their lives. And God, on his side of it, says, I want you to be reconciled to me. I want to restore that friendship with you that I had. I want to walk with you again. And here's my son so that we can do that. And we get to have that ministry to go tell people, this is not a hopeless life. You have purpose. Don't listen to any of the garbage that's out there. Everybody telling you to try to figure out who you are and find this identity that's polluted with self and that exalts self. Everything that the world is telling you is about being yourself. You know, de- declare who you are, whatever your mind thinks you are. You can be fluid in, your, in whatever you want to be fluid in now, even your, your humanity. Now you can be a dog if you want to be a dog. Like crazy things that people are saying, this is okay because that's good for you. It's cheating them. It's not loving to people that way. It's a cowardice way out. It's a, I don't want to deal with your craziness that's going on in your mind and what you're thinking of. I'd rather just keep to myself. And you, you know what? You can go and have those thoughts as long as you don't affect me, okay? And then we're okay. I'm all right with you. It's a thing that is, it's lazy and it does not love the other person. Instead, what he's given us is saying, you don't have to be there. You have an identity in Jesus Christ. You have this friendship that can be restored to your Savior, your Creator. It can be restored. You don't have to believe that you're the one that is the master of the universe. I guarantee you will be in the most hopeless state if you think that you're all that is existing in this universe. If you think you're the most important thing in this universe, it's going to be a big fall, isn't it? And the reason for that is because you're going to fail yourself. So what I challenge people that are into New Age and even atheists is that if they believe they're the center of their universe, which is what you have to believe in that, I ask them, have you ever failed yourself? Well, absolutely. Have you ever tried to set up like you did not want to be this person, you didn't want to say this thing, and have you said that? Yes, I have. Why would you want to be the end of all then? Why would you want to be the focus of life? This seems pretty depressing, something that fails all the time. Instead, let me give you this message of reconciliation that you have Jesus Christ that absolutely does not do that, and he wants to empower you, and he wants to bring you into the salvation that he saved you from this. What a cool message we get to have. This is another place that we're in ministry, this reconciliation. He's given us this ministry that we get to go out there and tell people, you don't have to be hopeless anymore. You don't have to be hopeless anymore. Let God be the center of your universe, right? Let him be the center. And then the fourth one, this is my favorite one. So if you've been sleeping, wake up. This is the best one. Verse 20 it says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. I love the terms that Paul ends up using. Ambassador, I think, is one of the most beautiful things that he could ever call us and relate to us. The quality of an ambassador is uh, you're going to live in a foreign land, right? An ambassador lives in a foreign land for a certain amount of time. An ambassador will build relationships with the native people. They'll build relationships with the native people. They represent the leadership that they were sent from. 
They're a dignitary, right? When you go to a foreign land, the best way to become friends with them is to leave your old ways behind. And what I mean by this is if you go out onto a mission field or somewhere where you're trying to represent, the more you become like their culture, you get that out of the way, you can represent what you're trying to show them. An example of this, and I mentioned last time I did a study, is Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was like a prime example of leaving behind what he looked like on the outside to show them Jesus Christ on the inside. And what he did is he was unlike any other European missionary. When he went over to China, he completely changed his appearance. They would go in there, and, and the Chinese dressed very different from what uh, a Westerner would dress like. You know, Westerner had the nice suits on and everything. Chinese had kind of these apron-type things, and they had, especially the men had their haircuts. You've probably seen that where they had just the hair in the back, right? And it was all a long braid that went down. Now the Europeans came over and like, okay, savages, instantly. Uh, you guys need to hear the gospel because you're so lost. And that's their attitude towards it. Hudson Taylor came in there, he read through the scriptures, and he saw, wow, I'm an ambassador. I need to become a Chinese to the Chinese. And so he went and he ended up putting on their clothes and he actually cut his hair like that too. All of the other missionaries excommunicated him. <laughs> what are you doing? You're crazy. But it ended up happening that Hudson Taylor was able to go deeper into China than any other European had ever been. Not only that, he would take some of the other Europeans because they wanted to see what was going on. Like, why were they letting him in the house? They let him in and they would ask the other European that was still dressed as a European to wait outside. They wouldn't let him in their house. They didn't feel comfortable with him. Because here's a man that had stepped over and became a true ambassador for Jesus Christ. He took some of his old foreign ways out of the way to get to the point of who Jesus Christ was, and he was allowed to come into the home for that. That's one of those things you build relationships with the natives. Now, as a dignitary, a dignitary has weight or rank, don't they? I mean, if we had an ambassador that was sent to another country and they had no authority at all, what would end up happening? There'd be no respect. It's like, well, you're just another tourist here. <laughs> what are you doing here? No, there's authority that comes with them. Guys, the same exact thing is with us. Who are we? We're children, right? Of who? The most high God. King, absolutely. That's who we are. That's our rank, guys. That's our authority that we come with. And that's one of the things as an ambassador is he gives us this title of ambassador. That's what we come with. The other one is that we represent the leadership that sent us. We reflect Jesus Christ just as the moon reflects the sun at night, right? In the darkness, and you guys know if you guys hunt, you do not want a full moon. Seems like every four-season rifle season we go out, there's always a full moon out there, and we're bummed out because that means all the animals ate all night long, and now they're going to be sleeping in the trees, and we have to go find them. That's what the moon does, though. It brings out this light in the darkness, and it's reflecting off the sun. That's what we do. We're, that, we're coming into this world. We've been given orders from our leadership, from God, and that's what we're doing. That's that part of being an ambassador in there is bringing in and reflecting him and showing him. They live in that foreign land, which you guys know that's exactly where we're at. We live in a foreign land, don't we? We should be very uncomfortable in this place. And we should long for those things that we've been called to. I know when I was in Costa Rica, guys, this was, it was, man, whenever we could find something that was there, that was from the United States, it was so, it didn't matter how much it cost. <laughs> we were so excited to see it. One of the biggest things was Dr. Pepper. They hate Dr. Pepper, all right? So I am wanting a Dr. Pepper so bad. It's been two years since I've had one. 
right? And we find it at the beach, but it's like $2.50 for just one tiny little can. I, like, I could care less about the price on that thing. It was something from my homeland that I was so excited to have again. Steak, down there, guys, I don't know what they do to their cows, but they're, they're messed up. It is like, it's gum. That's all it is. You put it in your mouth, all you're doing is trying to get flavor out of it, and then you spit it out because there's not, no way you're going to dissolve that. I don't know. They, I guess it's they, they hike around on the mountains. They're just pure muscle, and yeah. Their meat there, and I'm sorry if any of you guys are Costa Ricans, but their meat there is not like it is here. There's an Argentinian place we found down there. <clears throat> that was good. And they even brought in their own, <laughs> their own steaks. <laughs> But the one of those things that you long for, that's the thing is you're uncomfortable in a foreign place because you know you belong somewhere else. That's an ambassador. And somebody knows that they're not going to plant everything here. They know they could leave at any time. That this world that we're in is not forever. That there's a time we're going to leave. We're going to go back to the king that sent us out, right? So as you go on in that last little part, we're ambassadors for Christ. That's the other thing that he's given us. Now, as an ambassador, we have a message we give to the people. And this is one of the most important things about this. In verse 20, that second part there, it says, we, this, is, this is what an ambassador does. This is what their purpose is, is we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. And this is the reason to be reconciled. This is the reason to restore that friendship with God is because he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's that message we bring. That he who knew no sin has become sin so that we could be righteous. That everything that I've done wrong has been wiped out and put onto somebody that's done nothing wrong. Seems so unfair, but that's the way that God had to show his love. That's the way that it needed to be taken care of. That's the way that death had to be conquered. It was only through that way. And he could have left us, he could have. Nobody could hold him against that and say, no, you should have done this. He could have left us. Could have left us in our sins. But he didn't do that, did he? He made him who knew no sin be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So these four things that he's given us, these four things so that we can be involved in ministry He's given us the love of Christ. He's given us God's perspective. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, and he's given us the position of ambassador. Now, what I hope you guys take away from this is that you remember that just because you're not paid full-time staff at a church does not mean you're not in ministry, okay? Every single person, doesn't matter what your age is, you are in ministry, you're in ministry as an employer. You're in ministry as a business owner. You're in ministry as a mom or a dad. You're in business. You're a minister if you're a husband or a wife. You're a minister as a traveler. You're a minister as a servant. I'm not saying you guys are pastors. Don't go and take that off. I'm saying you guys are involved in ministry. God has purposely put you where you're at so he can use you to minister. As you guys go out this week, remember that the people that have been put around you It's not a mistake. Those people have been specifically put there because either they need to hear the gospel for the first time, they need to hear it for the second time, they need to hear it for the third time, (laughs) they need to hear the gospel, or they've been put there because they need encouragement from you. They need to be encouraged. Maybe they already knew Jesus, they've been there, done that, maybe they're trying, 
and they need your encouragement. They need what God's given you that morning in your devotions to be able to give to them and minister to them in that moment. And maybe it's somebody that's been put there so that they can help you out and you can do ministry together. Maybe it's somebody that's been put there that they can encourage you. And maybe you just need to stop and listen to what they're having to say. When you guys go out this week, just remember that every one of us is in ministry at where we're at. Do not have to be a part of a church. Do not have to be in a church. Does not have to be Sunday or Saturday. That ministry takes place every day. Just remember what we've been called to, why we're here on this earth, right? To bring him glory, isn't it? To please him. And he's given us the resources we need to do that. Justin, if you want to go ahead and come on up. Just remember as you guys go out, and I don't want to beat a dead dog, but (laughs) where he's put you is so important. And I hope you guys just remember that he'll bring this back to your mind, that that person that you're talking to needs to hear whatever he's going to put in your mouth at that moment that he wants to use you as his ambassador. Remember, you can deal with people. He's given you the love to. Remember that you can see them in a different way. He's given you a different perspective, right? And you have the best message they could ever hear. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of how they might react or something. That might be the day that's going to save them and bring them to a whole different life. You don't know. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you so much that we get to go through your word. And Lord, we do want to just lift up, I mean, just heavy on my heart is just other believers around the world, especially those that are being persecuted right now, Lord. I can't imagine what they're having to go through. And again, we just ask that you would provide for them, Lord, that as they cry out to you and call for your peace and, Lord, whatever they're going through, you would answer their prayers, Lord, that you would comfort them and let them know that you're right there, Lord. As we go out and we minister each day, Lord, that we would understand that maybe there's somebody right next to us that's having a horrible battle even of the mind, and they're even going to places where they think of ending their life, Lord. And you've put us there in that moment so that we can minister to them. I pray that you encourage every single one of us, Lord, to open our eyes to who you've put around us, that we wouldn't be tunnel-visioned in what we're doing and, and how we need things done and, and uh, be afraid of stirring something up. Lord, that we would be bold for you. I pray that we would get to hear from you and that you'd speak so clearly to us, Lord, on who you want us to be ministering to. Lord, that you would have all the glory and that we would please you as we walk next to you and as you guide us. Lord, I thank you so much for bringing even the people in my life that you brought and ministered to me. So key in my life, Lord. And I know so many people have the same testimony here. We just thank you for those people and I ask that you'd use them, continue to use them and use us in the same way. Continue to heal up our pastor and his aunt. Lord, that he can join us again soon. And uh, we just praise you and love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.